seat. Thank you, thank you, thank you for being here. If you are watching online, thank you for being with us online. My name is AJ. You haven't seen me in a long time, probably. Uh, I've been over in the Kidsmen since August. We've been having a great time over there. In fact, we've got 20 or 30 some odd that are in there right now having a great time. In fact, right now, what we're doing is they are coloring or writing a card, uh, writing a note, and we're gonna pick out two families in our immediate area who have lost a loved one in military service, and we're gonna send those letters to uh, those in our area for Memorial Day. So uh, we are excited with our kidsmen. It's, we're having a great time over there, loving uh, being with them. But for those of you who know, you know that VBS is coming up this coming Sunday, right? VBS one day, we're doing it from 10 a.m. to 6 p.m. this coming Sunday on June 6th. The reason that we're doing that is we have packed an entire week worth of stuff into one single day, all right? So for those of you who are like, listen, I'm just too tired to volunteer and go every single night of the week, we've solved that for you. All right, we've made it to where you no longer have an excuse. So you can come and volunteer next Sunday for VBS One Day. If you would like to do that, please send me an email. It's super difficult, my email, all right? It's aj at harmonyofavon.com. I know, you have to write it down, but it's aj at harmonyofavon.com. Send me an email, and on Tuesday, I'm gonna send out the agenda for that day, how everything's gonna work, where you could be used at, all the different details, about that day. So if you'd like to do that, please email me at aj at harmonyofavon.com. We've got lots of stuff. Y'all know, like we were talking about this the other night, my family looked at our summer schedule and realized we have no time. Like the summer is incredibly busy. Anybody else feel like that? Good, okay, just my family, solid. All right, so me and like three other people, that's great. So the rest of you, all right, we want some of your time donated. But for those of us that are super busy over this coming summer, there are lots of things that are going on. But we want here at Harmony, we wanna be a help to you. We wanna pray for you. There's ways that you can submit prayer requests through the app, through uh, on Facebook, um, through our website, all those ways we want to pray for you. When those come in, we pray for you as a staff. So please send those out. You get a, a weekly email on Wednesdays that has all the prayer requests in them. We wanna pray for one another because the summer is really, really, really busy. And so if we don't see you, we wanna know what's going on in your life and be able to pray for you. I'm thankful that you've gathered here in person, that you've gathered uh, live, and if you're just lazy and you slept through, you're watching this later. And we're thankful that you're here and that you wanna worship God with us today. If you, have, if you don't have the app, I would ask you uh, download that. It's the way you can fill out the connection card. You can keep up with all the events. That's on Google Play, your I, or Apple Store, uh, all that stuff. So all those things are available to you to stay in touch with what's going on during the summer. I know it's busy, but remember to fill out the prayer requests and remember, you have no excuse for VBS one day now, right? So I should have like, what, 200 and some odd emails, unless Chad's counting, and then it's 125 emails uh, in this coming week about uh, VBS one day, all right? So let's pray, and then we're gonna get started this morning. Thank you for worshiping with us so far. We're gonna stand back up and worship as soon as I say amen. Father, we are grateful this morning for who you are. Lord, I'm thankful for the kids that are over in Kidsmen. Lord, if it's not for the next generation, the church does not survive. Lord, when you said that you will build the church, you meant that from the ground up. It's not our responsibility, it's yours. And Father, you have used kids and you have used students, you use young adults in the history of the church to start revivals. So Father, what we're praying for is that this coming Sunday on VBS One Day, that our kids would spark a revival in Hendricks County and that the gospel would go forward, not just a church name, but the gospel would go forward to every person in our area. 
And Father, we pray that through the volunteers that help, through the kids that attend, that everything would give you honor and glory. But Lord, we're not to that Sunday yet, we're here. And today we celebrate, though that's a loose term, those who have given their life for our freedoms. Tomorrow we'll take a minute and reflect on those. And Father, as we reflect on those, we'd be remiss if we didn't stop and reflect on the one who gave his life so that we could be here today. So Lord, we're thankful for your sacrifice. We're thankful that we get to celebrate you. We're thankful that we are your friends if we've accepted you. So Lord, this morning, would you be honored? Would you be glorified? Would everything about this day point to how awesome you are? It's in your son's name that we pray, amen. Let's stand up and sing some more.
series entitled Remarkable, and we're talking about this fact as to how remarkable Jesus really is. When you take a look at, at your life and, and my life, one of the things that's a truth is what we remember it often reveals what we're filled with. What, what we remember from, from our past, what we remember from yesterday, what we tend to, to honor, what we tend to, to tribute is, is often representative of, of what we are filled with. So, so on a weekend like this where it's Memorial Day, a time to remember, I would ask you this, what do you remember? And then I would ask you to, to think about this, does what I remember reveal what I'm filled with? You see, when we look throughout Scripture and we look throughout the, the conversations that Jesus would have one-on-one -on -one with some of his followers and people that, that would show up that were religious or, or people that would come from the crowd, here's what we discover. Often what they remembered demonstrates what they were filled with. So today, I would just ask you, maybe right now, just to kind of think in your mind, what am I filled with? Not what is my neighbor filled with? Not what is John filled with, not, not what somebody at work is, is filled with, right? Because we could all think of some pretty descriptive terms of what other people are filled with in, in their life. But, but what am I filled with? You see, when we look at, at Jesus and we look at his life, one of, one of the things that we're going to discover is, is he was filled with grace and he was filled with mercy and he was filled with love. And when you look at his life, he often remembered those things, but he's often remembered for those things. You see, what we remember is often what we're filled with, but what we're filled with is what we would be remembered for. Think about that truth. Think about how that unfolds in your life and in my life. And somebody says, why don't you go ahead and repeat that? And I'll repeat it later once I remember what I said. <laughs> Here, here's, here's something that we look at, at Jesus and discover. You see, Jesus remembered the grace and the mercy and, and the love that he was called to. The Pharisees, the religious people, what did they remember? They often remembered the faults and the failures the shortcomings of everybody else, but they remembered their own goodness. You ever been around somebody that, that remembers all the great things that, that they do and, and, and nobody else has ever done anything good at all? Anybody ever been there? Some of you are thinking, wow, I grew up in a home like that. So, some of you are, are thinking very quietly, <laughs> I may have said I do to a personality like that. Over time, we, we drift into situations and settings like that. We become a, a person that, that is, is like that. But when we discover the, the life of Christ and the people that he interacted with, one of the things that, that we're going to see over and over and over is people that could remember their own goodness but neglect or fail to recognize the goodness of Jesus Christ. 
People that could recognize their, their own goodness but refuse to recognize the, recognize the sacrifice of, of someone else. And, and I wonder how many times we get caught up in, in our life and, and even on a weekend like this, we get caught up in all the things that are going on around us. We get caught up in all the good things that we have done but we fail to remember the sacrifice of, of someone else. Think about this and, and I want you to, to, to understand this. The passage that we're getting ready to talk about this morning in Mark chapter 2, here's what we have. We have have a loving, merciful Savior who is filled with the Spirit. He, he's filled with grace and mercy and love. He, he is filled with truth. He's representative of it. Yet we have another group who, who is just full of self, right? They're full of, of what they can do and what they have accomplished. And they're filled with their own goodness. And they fail to recognize the sacrifice, the mercy, and the love that Jesus represents. So as we look at Mark chapter 2, and we look at a, a couple of verses that, that just flow out of, out of Mark chapter 2, and, and we read down through there, here's what we're going to discover. We're going to discover a group of people that, that didn't have what Jesus came to give. We're going to discover a group of people that were filled with some struggles, that were filled with questions, that were filled with condemnation, that, that were filled with, with maybe some bitterness, maybe some anger. Maybe they, they were filled with a failure to look at somebody else and honor them for who they really are. In Mark chapter 2 and verse number 18, it says this, Then the disciples of John and the Pharisees were fasting. They came and said to him, why do the disciples of John and of the Pharisees fast, but your disciples do not fast? I want you to, to let's just frame the, this, this question, right? You, you see it up there on, on the screen. It says, and Jesus said to them, right? We, we go a little further. Can the friends of the bridegroom fast while the bridegroom is with them? As long as they have the bridegroom with them, they cannot fast. They asked Jesus a question, but they said, I, we just... We really just want to know why your disciples are not as good as we are. Because that's, that's really the question. John's disciples fast. The Pharisees, we, we fast. We, we, we fast twice a week. Some would say it was on a Monday and a Wednesday. Others would say a Tuesday and a Thursday. Doesn't matter what, what days they were. They had it really down to where they, they would fast twice a week and, and build it into their schedule. So they, they said, why are you not as good as we are? And then Jesus comes back and, and just simply asks a, a question back to them. And we just read that. Now, let's take a look at verse number 20. He says, but the days will come when the bridegroom will be taken away from them then they will fast in those days. No one sews a piece of unshrunk cloth on an old garment or else the new piece pulls away from the old and the tear is made worse. He says, and no one puts new wine into old wineskins or else the new wine burst the wineskins and the wine is spilled and the wineskins are ruined, but new wine must be put into new wineskins. Then in verse number 23, we continue and here's what it says. It says, now it happened... That is, he went through the grain fields on the, the Sabbath. And as they went, his disciples began to pluck the heads of grain. 
And the Pharisees said to him, look, why do they do what is not lawful on the Sabbath? But he said to them, have you ever read what David did when he was in need and hungry? He and those with him. How he went to the house of God in the days of Abathar, the high priest, and ate the showbread, which is not lawful to eat except for the priests, and also gave some to those who were with him. And he said to them, the Sabbath was made for man and not man for the Sabbath. Therefore, the Son of Man is also Lord of the Sabbath. In this passage of scripture, here's what we have. We have some people that that are asking questions of Jesus, and here's what we we realize, and here's what what ultimately happens. Their questions reveal what they remember. Their questions reveal what they are filled with. What do they remember? They remember details. They, they remember observations. They, they remember things that they have tacked on that they are doing, but it also tells us that they were filled with what? A picture of their own goodness and how they lived life. And here is what happens. They come to Jesus, the one who came to die for their sin, and ultimately here's what they're asking. Jesus, why aren't you more like me. Think about that for just a moment. Jesus, why aren't you more like me? Jesus, why don't you do things like like we do things? Why don't you do things like I would prefer them to be done? Because because Jesus, after all, this is what we do. We, We fast twice a week, and John's disciples fast. So so why aren't your disciples fasting? And Jesus breaks some things down. And and for some, we look, and and Jesus says, why would you go ahead and and fast when the the groom and the the, the bride are are, are together? This is supposed to be a a celebration. Why would you do that? And then he says, look, you don't take a piece of cloth and put it on an old cloth, or you don't put new wine and old wineskins because it bursts, and, and people are saying, look, okay, there, there's a little bit of confusion. And then we, we go into this discussion about the Sabbath, and, and what is the Sabbath, and, and, and why are they talking about plucking heads of grain and eating and, and different things? Well, we're going to unpack those things in just a moment, in a very practical way. But here's an overriding thing that I want us to to remember. The things that we often remember and point to often reveal what we are filled with ourselves. And in this passage of scripture, they're asking the son of the living God, why are you not more like us? Not why am I not more like you? Not, not why Am I not closer to you? Not Jesus, hey, would you, would you forgive me of some sin? Would you help me to, to be more like you? It was just an out and out question. Why are you not more like we are? Why are you not more like us? Why, why are you not more inclined to do things like, like we do them? And, and here's a reality. If Jesus did things like we did, <laughs> he wouldn't need us and we certainly wouldn't need him, right? Because if he was like us, he couldn't have saved us. He couldn't have done anything for us. Let's look at what Jesus says. Jesus tells us, first of all, and remember, we're talking about what we're filled with, what we're filled with, what's going on on the inside. What we remember often reveals what we are filled with, and what we are filled with often reveals what we remember. It reveals what's taking place and what is going on 
in our life. So, so let's look at it. Let, let's, let's begin to, to talk about it. Here's what Jesus says. First of all, Jesus says, look, when, when you're with me, the, the Jesus presence or the presence of Jesus produces joy. Jesus' presence produces joy. Let's think about this for, for just a, a moment. Here's, here's what said. The disciples of John and the Pharisees were fasting. Then they came and said to him, the guy that has been having a, a gathering just a few verses before, the, the guy that is meeting and eating with sinners, the guy that, that appears to kind of be having a, a gathering that's, that's life-giving everywhere he goes and crowds are showing up, and, and, and they come to him and they, they say, look, why are you not doing what we are doing and what John is doing? And here's what Jesus said to them. Can the friends of a bridegroom fast while the bridegroom is with them? As long as they have the bridegroom with them, they cannot fast. Let's talk about that for just a moment. The, the Pharisees' question does multiple things. Number one, they, they say, why? How many of you love the question, why? I mean, if, you, if, 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 you've, if you've got little children, that, that why will just put you over the edge. And then there's times where, where we as adults, we, we go back to that and, and, and we ask why. And right now, here, here's what, what, what is happening. The Pharisees are coming and they're asking why. But, but here's a, a truth. They're asking why from a different standpoint. It, it's, it's a why that is condemning. It's a why that is condescending. It, it's, it's a why of, of how come you're not more like us. So, so here's what Jesus does. Jesus responds with a question of his own. And, and, and what was his question? G Jesus says, let me ask you something. Do you go to a wedding celebration? And keep in mind, in this day that Jesus is talking and he's living, a wedding lasted a week. How many of you would like to foot that bill? I mean, some of you are like me. You have all girls and you're going, wow. I need to get a part-time job now so that I can just kind of continually save to offset the inflation and, and be able to, to pay for a, a, a wedding, right? And, and if things continue as, as it is, that, that might buy like the, the trash liners, right, uh, for, for the cans of the place you're going to rent to do it because cost just, just goes. Well, here's, here's a truth. Jesus says, look, right now you guys go to a wedding. And, and you go to a wedding, but while you're at that wedding, you don't fast. While you're at that wedding, you don't try and walk around and look miserable. Because do you know what the practice of the Pharisees were? Here's what the Pharisees did. The Pharisees would, would fast twice a week. And they made sure that everybody knew they were fasting. How did they do that? They, they would mess up their hair. They would look disheveled. They, they would appear as though they were distraught and they were missing out on everything. And Jesus says, you don't go to a wedding when the bride and the groom are present and act that way. So why are you acting that way right now? Some of you are, are, are saying, John, what are you driving at? One of the things that Jesus was filled with was joy. And one of the things that the people around Jesus were filled with was joy. When, when Andrew and 
Peter followed him. They left their nets and, and they followed him. Mark chapter 1. When James and John would come and follow him, James and John left their nets and they left the family business and they, they were filled with joy. They were filled with a new purpose. They were filled with a, a new opportunity. And all of these crowds are coming and excitement is building. And in comes this crowd that's absolutely miserable and joy is missing in their life. They're filled with their own goodness, they're filled with their own reasoning, they're filled with the attitude that everybody should be like us, and the only thing that they can remember, because Jesus lays it out, when we look at, at the, the whole question on the Sabbath, and, and we'll get to it in, in, in just a, a moment, the only thing that they can remember is their own immediate goodness, which tells us they're filled with their own immediate self. And they have no joy. And they're not enjoying the presence of Jesus at all. Here's what Jesus tells us. Jesus tells us in his question, do you go to a wedding feast and fast? He says, no, of course you don't. Because it's also written in your law that while you're at the feast, you don't fast. It's a time to celebrate. It's a time to recognize what's, what's going on. Do you, so do you know what Jesus says? Jesus says, I want you to know you're your own worst enemy. He says legalism, it's an enemy. Legalism, trying to, to keep the law and trying to be good enough and trying to do an, enough things and get things right. He says, you know what, you're missing out on the joy. You, you wonder what's different about me and my disciples and, and the people that are, are here with me and, and your face is grim and, and you actually make certain that people know that you're miserable and you're trying to, to, to sacrifice dur during this time. He says, you know what, legalism is the enemy you are your enemy. He says, right now you have no liberty, you have no freedom, you have no joy. There's not an ounce of love, there's not an ounce of grace, there's nothing flowing in your life. Why? Because you are letting the circumstances of this life, the habits of this life, steal the joy. Jesus says, I want you to understand I'm the groom, I'm gathering my bride, I'm here with you, and this is supposed to be a time of celebration, and you're missing out on it. I often wonder how many of us miss out on the joy, the joy that the presence of Jesus is supposed to produce in our life because we're filled with all the wrong things and we're paying attention to all of the wrong things. You see, they were in the presence of the one that was giving his life, yet they didn't recognize it. They were in the presence of the one that, that would lay down his life, that, that would die, be buried, and rise again. And they didn't want to acknowledge it. I wonder how many times we go through life and we miss out on the presence of Jesus. And when we miss out on the presence of Jesus, we miss out on the joy that the presence of Jesus can produce in our life. And there's only one thing that, that was ultimately different in the life of, of these Pharisees that are asking the question. What it was, was what they were filled with. You see, when we're filled with mercy and love and grace, when our life is 
being controlled by the Holy Spirit because we're a Christ follower and we put our faith and trust in him and we've said, look, I'm gonna do things your way and I'm gonna trust your grace to be good enough. I, I'm, I'm, I'm not gonna go through life and remember all of the good things that I've attempted to do and, and how well I've done at all these things and all the things that, that I am keeping track of and all the things that I am doing. I, I'm gonna take my eyes off of those things and I'm gonna put my eyes on you because you are the one that produces joy when we begin to live a life like that, our life changes. And there's Christians today that are undoubtedly Christians, but they don't have a lot of joy. And, and one of the reasons they don't have a lot of joy is because somewhere along the line they've picked up, I still have to perform and I still have to be good enough. And I want to tell you something. You don't try and perform and try and be good enough to get joy. You rest in the grace and the mercy and the love of Jesus Christ and follow him passionately and that produces the joy. We live in a society that's filled with anxiety. We live in a society that's filled with depression. We live in a society that, that is filled with all kinds of things. And, and, and people say, look, this is where I am at and this is who I am. And the reality is this, while many of those things are real, okay, one of the things that, that fundamentally helps us overcome them is to begin to take our identity from Jesus Christ and who he is and what he has to offer and to rest in that and to know that none of us are good enough, and none of us can get it right, but a relationship that's founded in the grace and the mercy and the love and the truth of Jesus Christ begins to override all of those things. You see, when Jesus goes on and, and he talks here, and, and, and it could be really complicated, and, and, and the, the reality is this, we can make it really difficult, but here's what Jesus says. In verse number 20, he says, the days will come when the bridegroom will be taken away from them, and then they will fast in those days. He says, no one sews a piece of unshrunk cloth on an old garment, or else the new piece pulls away from the old. And the terror is made worse. And no one puts new wine into old wineskins, or else new wine bursts the wineskins, and the wine is spilled, and the wineskins are ruined, but new wine must be put into new wineskins. Now, most people today don't work with cloth, and most people today don't work with leather, so we look at something like this, and we're going, wow, here's the reality. What, what does that mean? I'm trying to, to understand it. I'm trying to, to get a practical application out of it. And we could spend hours unpacking all of the history that, that's there. And some of you are going, no, please don't. Just, just give us the, the cliff notes, right? Give us the, the, the little explanation. Do you, you know what Jesus is, is telling them? Jesus is saying, here's, here's the, the long and short of it. You have an opportunity to have a relationship with the Savior, or you can continue to try and follow the law New cloth, old cloth, old wineskin, new wineskin, but you can't patch them together because when you try and live a life of salvation over here with a little bit of grace and a little bit of mercy and then you begin to, to go ahead 
and try and consistently be good enough and try and keep everything else and, and keep that moving forward and always looking at this is what I've done. We're missing out on what he has done. And here's what happens. Our life begins to tear apart and the joy oozes out and it's on the ground and we're looking and we're going, wow, now we've got nothing. We're empty. Jesus is just saying this. He's saying, you can't patch me in where you want me to be. A quilt might look really cool on your bed or hanging on the wall, but it's not a good way to have your relationship with Jesus. Do you know what Jesus was saying? He was saying patchwork Christianity, patchwork religion doesn't work. The presence of Jesus produces joy because in the presence of Jesus and in a relationship with him, we're not dealing with a patchwork Christianity. And by that, I mean, and Jesus meant, you can't sew me in where you want me and expect that to hold. You can't sew me in where, where you would like me to be and expect everything else to be able to be as strong as I am because the law was given so you would know that you need me. Not so that you would know that you need me and put the two of us together. It was given so that you would run to me and see that there is not a better way to see that there is the only way. The presence of Jesus produces joy. Yet, for the Pharisees, here's what was happening. They were looking for something more, and they were constantly patching something else in. Yet, all of the potential relationship that they could have with Jesus was constantly, constantly missing out because they were focused more on their own goodness rather than the goodness of God. And today, some of us need to come to a place where we say, okay, I'm not going to try and patch Jesus in right here and just put him in this area of my life and keep it at that. We need to say, okay, Jesus, here's the reality. I want all of you, and I want you to have all of me. And do you know what made the Pharisees struggle more than anything else? Is they claimed to have some godliness, but they denied the power thereof. And a lot of Christians are struggling right where they are. Not because they don't have a relationship with Christ, not because they've not trusted him, but because we haven't trusted him with everything. We haven't trusted him with every area. You see, the Pharisees knew that they weren't good enough. The Pharisees knew that, that they needed something and they just tried to add their something to it. And they were looking for a Messiah that looked like what they already had. And here's the reality. Jesus says, look, what you already have doesn't work. And adding me to it, combining the two, no, that's not the answer. It, it's, it's me. It's me that you need. And today, when you look at your life and you say, what, what am I filled with? Are you filled with joy? Here's 
something to think about. If, if joy is missing from our life, I'm not talking about being able to smile on the outside and, and, and being so lonely on the inside. I'm not, I'm not talking about being in the presence of a crowd and, and being able to, to smile and, and fake your way through it and, until it's over and then you say, wow, I'm glad I got past that. I'm talking about a, a joy that's beyond the happiness. I'm talking about a, a joy that you know that, that there's hope. A joy that you know that, that God is, is there. A, a joy that is, that is constant, that, that is filling you up on the inside, that comes from that relationship based on who Jesus is. Knowing that he's taken care of, of everything. You see, when, when that's what we truly begin to have, then, then we'll want more of it. And if you don't have that today, you don't, you don't start looking around for someone else or something else to fill that void. You run to Jesus. You, you run to the one that can, can take care of it, that can mend your life, that can hold it all together. You see, the presence of Jesus produces joy, but... But there's a promise that Jesus gave that gives us hope. When we look at what Jesus says, we realize that his promise produces hope. We go back to verse number 20, and, and ultimately, here's, here's what he says. He says, but the days will come when the bridegroom will be taken away from them, and then they will fast in those days. Let's talk about this quickly. What was Jesus saying? Jesus had just told the, the Pharisees, look, there's going to come a time when I'm not going to be here. There's going to come a time when I'm going to be crucified, I'm going to be buried, I'm going to rise again, and I'm going to ascend to the Father. And that will be a time to fast. That'll be a time to put some practices into play. Some things that, that are real, some things that are practical, so, some things that, that are, are powerful, but, but it's going to be based on hope. You see, when we look at Jesus, we understand that he was filled with joy, but, but we also understand that he was filled with hope. Why? Because he spoke of hope. He lived hope. He kept his focus on hope. Let me ask you this question today. What does hope look like in your life? Because for, for the Pharisee, they're going, and here's what they're doing. They're asking Jesus, why aren't you more like us? Why aren't you doing things like, like we're doing? And here's the reality. They were fasting twice a week, messing their face up, messing their hair up, making sure their clothes even looked disheveled so that people would notice and they were searching for hope. Jesus says, why would I want to be like you when you're searching for hope and I am hope? Jesus produces joy, but he gives us a promise that produces hope. Let, let's talk about that for, for just a moment. What does hope look like in your life right now? Here's what Jesus was telling us. Jesus says, look, hope looks different. He says, someday I'm going to be taken away from you. But here's the hope, the death, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus. That's your hope. That's my hope. That's the promise that Jesus was speaking of. And here's what he says. Jesus says, look, I'm going to secure a hope that we can fast from, not that you need to fast for. 
Jesus was telling the Pharisees, here's the reality. You're trying to, to fast for something out of a habit. You're trying to fast for something that, that you can get and, and lay hold of. You're trying to fast to make you spiritual. And the only thing that's going to do that, the only thing that's going to secure that hope is a relationship with me. Now let's just begin to make this work in your life, in my life. There's a lot of us that do a lot of things to try and secure hope, right? For the Pharisees, they fasted twice a week, every week, unless there was a celebration, and then they said, look, we can go to the wedding and we can celebrate. So we don't have to be on good behavior that week. We just go and, and celebrate. But for most of us, here's what hope looks like, right? We, we need hope, so we're going to run to the church. We're going to go to a service. Check that box off. We need hope. I'm going to say a couple of prayers this week. We need hope. I, I'm, I'm going to get in a life group. We need hope. I feel kind of bad. I'll go to the mission and serve because, after all, when you help poor people and you look at people that don't have anything at all, it kind of makes you feel better. So our hope is all about a feeling and all about checking off a, a list of things. And here's what Jesus is telling the Pharisees and the crowd on on this day. He's saying, look, I want you to understand, you don't fast for something. You fast from a position where you already have it. They were, they were doing something to try and get hope. You and I can fast today because we have hope. There's all the difference in the world. You see, I come to worship because the presence of Jesus produces joy. I come to worship because there's a promise that gives me hope, and that hope is secure in the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. You see, I, I come to, to worship and, and do those things, and, and I, I become more like Jesus and who he is and, and what he has for, for my life. Yet when they come and ask the question and they say, look, wh why are you always celebrating and eating and doing these things? Why are you not more like we are? And Jesus says, look, I don't want to be like you are because you don't have any joy. Jesus says, I don't want to be like you are because you don't have hope right now. Okay, I'm your hope and you won't recognize it you you won't lay hold of it he was saying look there's there's going to be a day when when i'll die when i'll be buried and i'm going to rise again and i'm going to ascend to the father and at that point in time you you can begin to fast and you can begin to do all of those things but but you're fasting from that position not for it and, and you say john what do you mean by that we fast because we have a relationship with him, not because we're just trying to lay hold of a little benefit from him. We fast because he has accepted us, not so that he will accept us. We fast because we've been a recipient of his love, his grace, his mercy. We, we serve, we give, we worship, Everything that, that we do in the Christian life flows out of receiving his grace and his mercy and his love and acknowledging that that's who he is. And all the while, they've had him right in, in, in front of them and, and, and they've missed out on all of it. So Jesus says, look, my presence produces a joy. Why, why would you want to fast he literally is saying, you guys don't go to your best friend's wedding and fast. How, how many of you really enjoy 
going someplace that you want to go when you're on a diet? Yeah, I'm going to the Brazilian steakhouse. But it's, you know, an all-you-can-eat, and it's supposed to be the finest meats and all, all these kind of things. But knowing that you're going to have one small piece when you're going in, that's, that's, that, that's not the time you're going to go. And if you do go, most of you would be like, today's my cheat day, right? And, and, and honestly, Jesus is looking at him, and he's saying, okay, when you go to the wedding feast and the celebration, that's your cheat time, right? You just say, look, we don't have to do this and we don't have to do that. What Jesus is saying, why are you not enjoying a relationship with me right now? Because a relationship with me, my presence produces joy and you're missing out on it. And the reason you're missing out on it is because you're trying to be good enough. He says, look, you guys want to know what, why? Why this, this whole fasting thing and, 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 and this all that? He said, look, there's going to come a time when I'm not here because I'm going to die. I'm giving you a promise right now. And at that point in time, you, you will do things because of that. You'll do things from that position, not for it. I didn't become a pastor so that I could get saved. I became a pastor because as a Christ follower... It's what God had called me to do. And some of you today know you're Christians, but you're still trying to do things to get good enough rather than let him be good enough and let him call you to serve and to live in grace and mercy and love and go and build his kingdom. The Pharisees missed out on it. There's one last thing in this, this passage, and, and, and we could talk about this for, for weeks, but one last thing quickly, and, and, and here it is. Jesus presents relationships over ritual. You see, the Pharisees were experts on rituals, but they paid no attention to the value of relationships. They said, Jesus, why don't you fast like we do? but they never recognized who he was. Think about that for just a moment. They would see the crippled. They would witness a miracle. And they never recognized the value of it. They just said, Jesus, why don't you do it like we do it? We don't do anything on the Sabbath. We, we don't do anything on, on our day of, of worship. Jesus, why aren't you more like we are? They never recognized the value of another person. Why? Because they were filled with their own goodness. They were filled with their self. They were filled with their own accomplishment. Why would they want to remember what anybody came to do? Why would they want to remember how somebody else was living? Why would they want to remember somebody else's need? Because all they thought about was themselves. So let's talk about this. It says, now it happened that he went through the grain fields on the Sabbath. And as they went, his disciples began to pluck the heads of grain. And the Pharisees said to him, look, why do they do what is not lawful on the Sabbath? But he said to them, have you never read what David did? Remember? They, they didn't remember. All they remember is themselves. These guys are supposed to be scholars in the Old Testament. Most of them had it memorized. And Jesus says, do you not remember what David did? Or do you want to forget that part? Because it doesn't measure up with your practice with what you do. Have you never read what David did when he was in need and hungry, he and those with him? 
how he went out into the house of of God in the days of Abathar the high priest and ate the showbread, which is not lawful to eat except for the priests, and also gave some to those who were with him. He says, have you, have you, have you forgotten the scandalous event that, that David did and how people took a deep breath and, and, and were in awe and couldn't believe that David would, would do something of the such? And he said to them, the Sabbath was made for man and not man for the Sabbath. Therefore, the Son of Man is also Lord of the Sabbath. The, the whole point of this passage of Scripture the entire point is, is, is this. Colossians chapter 1, verse number 15, verse number 16. It says this, He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For by him all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created through him and for him. Jesus stops and he says, look, you want to know why my disciples and myself are walking through a field and they pluck a head of grain off and they eat it. And, and you want to know why they did that and why I'm not upset. He says, I'll tell you why they did that, because they're hungry. And you want to know why I'm not upset? Because God said to remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. That just meant to to take time with God. It didn't mean that you can't eat on the Sabbath. Because a lot of you didn't go to Bible college, right? You haven't sat through boring seminary class after boring seminary class. Some of you are thinking, you know, you're, you're kind of boring. I'm going to tell you something. You go to seminary, you'll find out what boring is, right? I promise you that. You're, you're hearing stuff in languages that you've never heard of and nobody speaks anymore and you're filtering through and trying to figure it out and trying to, to learn it. Do you know what Jesus is ultimately saying? He's saying we're walking through a field and somebody's hungry and, and they ate. But somewhere along the line, you took, remember to have time with God on this day. And you said, we can't prepare food. We can't carry water. We can't cook. We can't take these steps. We're not supposed to do all of these things. And he says, look, you're asking the son of the living God why my disciples are doing this and not doing that because this is the way you do it and you're not even trusting me. You see, Jesus was saying, look, you have no joy, you have no hope, and there's no satisfaction in your life because if there was, you wouldn't constantly be wondering what somebody else is doing and why they're doing it. You would have your own grace and your own mercy and your own love to live in to rest in, to build your life in. And today, what, what we ultimately come down to is Colossians chapter 1, verses 15 and 16. Do, do, do you know that the reality is you were made by Jesus and for Jesus? And anything less is not going to produce joy, it's not going to give you hope, and there's not going to be any satisfaction. No joy, no hope, no satisfaction. And a lot of us remember the things that we remember in life because it's what we're filled with. And instead of being filled with joy and hope and satisfaction, we're filled with a lot of things that are far less. And today, on a day where we're supposed to remember some things, you notice that they didn't remember what David had done. They didn't remember what other people had done who were, who were followers, who believed that God was sending Messiah, who believed by faith that he was the answer. They didn't remember that. They only remembered their goodness, their successes, not their failures, not their need for one who would sacrifice. 
Today, I want to remember Jesus, who he is and what he has done. Remember those that have paid a price. But I also want you to remember that what we're filled with generally reveals a lot of the things that we remember. And here's a truth. If you want more joy, if you want more hope, if you want satisfaction, let it come from a relationship with Christ. Don't try and be good enough because we're never going to be good enough. Just come to him and trust him and let him give you the joy. Let him give you the hope. Let him give you the satisfaction because Jesus said, I'm about relationship, not ritual. Somebody was hungry, so they ate. Somebody needed hope. So, so at some point in time, I'm, I'm going to, to depart, and I'm giving you my word, and that's what he did. He departed to the cross. He was buried in the grave. He rose again. He ascended to the Father. And because of that, he is our hope. And because of that, he can give us joy. And he said, my presence will produce joy, a joy that you cannot contain. But here's what will happen if you try and patch me in. If you try and sew me into a part of your life rather than all of your life, the joy is going to leak out. It's going to burst out instead of continue to expand. Hope, there's not going to be much in your life if you can't contain it in who Christ is. And you're going to find yourself trying to do things over and over and over to be good enough. Jesus says, no, just rest in me. Rest in my joy. Find my hope. And remember it's relationship, not ritual, that brings it all together. Because you were made for Jesus. Jesus is the Lord of the Sabbath. And he wants to be your Lord as well. You were made for him. You were made by him. Let him produce that in your life. Would you pray with me? With heads bowed and eyes closed. Today, I would just ask you this. Maybe you would be here this morning in person or online and you might say, John, honestly, I could, I could use a, a little extra joy in my life. I, I'm searching for some hope. That, that's me. If you'd like me to, to pray for you today, just, just slip your hand up. And I would like to, to do that. I, I see that hand. Some others around would like more joy and hope in, in our life. I'm going to pray for you in just a moment. Maybe somebody else would say, John, honestly, I struggle with trying to be good enough. I've trusted Christ as my Savior. I've, I've in, invited him to forgive me of my sins, and I've placed my faith and in, in trust in him, but I, but I feel like I'm just not good enough, and, and I need help with that security, knowing that he's taking care of it. If that's you, would, would you just slip your hand up? I want to be able to pray for you as well. I see those hands. Maybe you're here today, and you would say, John, I've never trusted Christ before but I would like to know him as my savior. I'd like to place my faith in him. If there's one like that that's here today, would you just raise your hand up? I won't call you out, I won't embarrass you in, in any way, shape or form, I'm just gonna pray along with you just like the others. Okay, 
Today, I'm going to ask you to join me in prayer. And as I pray, I want to encourage you to pray. If you need more joy, just, just say, Jesus, would, would you be the joy in my life? Would you help me to give every area of my life to you? If you need that hope, say, Jesus, help me to rest in, in your promise and, and help me to build that hope because his word said there's going to come a time when, when we would fast and we would pray and we would do the things that, that they were talking about. And that time for us is now. But we don't do that to get hope. We do that because we have hope. So today, make that, make that your prayer. Ask him to build that hope. Would you pray with me, please? Father, we come to you today, and Lord, we thank you for the opportunity to, to worship you. And Lord, I thank you for those that raised a hand that said, look, we need joy. We need hope. Lord, I know that so many of the circumstances of life, so many times our, our understanding, we try and patch things in, we try and place things differently, and, and the, the joy of your presence isn't contained in our life because we're focused on other things. Father, help us to rest in your joy. Help us to know the joy that, that you bring, that you give. Help us to hold on to it. And, and God, that hope that is real, that you died to secure, help us to live in that. Lord, I ask that, that as we go throughout our day, that as we go throughout our week, that you'll help us to be filled with joy, that you'll help us to be filled with hope and satisfaction. And God, that you will help us to carry that truth to those that are around us. And Father, I, I thank you for the joy that you bring and the hope that you bring. And Father, if there's one here today that needs to know you as Savior, Lord, I ask that you would help them to know that you have done everything that needs to be done. Lord, I ask that you would guide them. Lord, just to pray a simple prayer that is as simple as this, that Jesus, I'm a sinner and I need a Savior, and I'm asking you to forgive me and to be my Savior. Help us to know that it's our faith in you that saves us. And it's that faith that saves us that will begin to allow you to work in us and change us. So Father, give us that joy, give us that hope, give us that satisfaction, and give us that faith. For it's in Christ's name we ask it. Amen. Thank you for being a part of Harmony at Home and allowing us to share hope with you. You know, when we think about the love of Jesus, it's absolutely amazing to stop and realize that he gave his life for you and for me. And all we have to do is simply put our faith and trust in his death, his burial, and his resurrection. And that changes us for all eternity. Today, if you've never invited Jesus to forgive you of your sins and to be your personal savior, I want to encourage you to do that right now. It's as simple as admitting that your life is not perfect, admitting that you've sinned, that you've missed God's mark of perfection, and putting your faith and trust in his son, Jesus Christ. You see, Jesus is God's love in action, and he demonstrated his love for you and for me by going to the cross, by being buried and by rising again on the third day. And today, if you'd like to invite him to forgive you of your sins and to be your savior, I would encourage you right where you are just to simply say, Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner and I'm asking you to forgive me of my sins and to be my savior. And he 
will do it. If you've made that decision today, please let us know. Please reach out to us. We would love the opportunity to help you learn more about who Jesus is and the incredible plan that he has for your life. If you are a part of the Harmony family, you're part of our Harmony online community and our online campus, I want to thank you for joining us as well. And I want to invite you to start regathering with us in person if you would like to do so. But please remember, we're keeping everything online as well, so you're not going to miss out uh, on our Sunday morning experience and the other things that we've been doing through the week. We're going to continue to offer those and to continue to meet a need in your life. And if you would like to help us continue uh, to serve our community and, and literally the world, uh, we would encourage you to hop on over to harmonyofavon.com forward slash give, and you'll be able to help us continue the ministry and to make a difference, not only here locally, but globally as well. Thank you for being a part of Harmony at Home. And I pray uh, for God's greatest blessings in your life. And I hope that you'll continue to stay connected to us throughout the week. You have a great day.